Welcome to worship. I'm Michelle Andrews, uh, the associate pastor here. And uh, if you'd like to follow along, there are sermon notes in the app and you can access those. And I want to take just a second and thank Mark Chang, who's here this morning, who wrote that drama. So thanks, Mark. Uh, Today we are on the second week of a series called Jumpstart, Your Life, Your Joy, Your Faith. And I think one of the most honest and maybe one of the hardest things for us to say, sometimes we need a restart. We all have those times where, for whatever reason, things just aren't right and things are hard, and it might just be one area. It might be that you need more joy. It might be that hope feels very far away. And maybe sometimes it feels like the whole package is where you need help. Last week, excuse me, Reverend Nicole talked about trials and tribulations and shared with us this promise, this very hopeful promise, that God is with us in all things, that God meets us exactly where we are. God meets us in those times when it feels like our Jenga tower is one piece away from crumbling. And God meets us in those times when all of the Jenga pieces are all over the floor. And God promises that that tower always can be rebuilt. And so if you are in one of those times where you are just feeling like your pieces are loose and all over the place, it is okay. We all have those times. In this series, we're reading through the book of James, which is this handbook of practical advice about how to put our faith into action. As Christians, it is not enough for us to just believe what we believe. We are called to put what we believe into action, to live out in what we say and what we do and who we are in the world, um, to partner those two. And today we're talking about wisdom, and I don't know about you, but it feels very much like we are in just desperate need of wisdom these days. And I have wondered more than once recently if everyone, myself included, have just like lost their mind. It just seems like we're constantly one Jenga piece away from it all falling apart. I saw this uh, sign this week that says we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. Does that make sense to you? Does that ring true for you? We are on such information overload. Um, I remember when email, I'm going to age myself a little bit, I guess, but I remember when email was the cool, new, fast, effective way to communicate right? Getting an email is great. You could just do it quick. You didn't have to have the back and forth of conversation. And now I'm like, please make it stop. There's so much information that comes at us from so many different ways. But having that information, if we don't know what to do with it, is not very helpful. We all know things about things. We know people who are experts on a variety of subjects, but I think truly we are craving wisdom for ourselves, for our leaders, and most importantly, we are craving God's wisdom for how to live. 
So I want to start by uh, bringing us all on to the same page. And so for today, we're going to think about knowledge as information that is learned. Something we know, something we have learned. And wisdom happens when we take all of that knowledge, those things that we know, and let it impact our beliefs and our actions. We are to let what we know about God shape how we live as Christians. And how, uh, do we, how do we use what we know about God? We get all of that from reading the Bible, from what we have experienced in our lives, from time spent in conversation with other people. But our faith calls us to take all of that and let it affect the choices that we make in terms of how we act and what we do, how we interact with other people. When things are easy and when things are challenging— One of the things that I am working on in my own life is being aware in different situations that I have a choice between whether I can react or whether I can respond. And I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm in a tense situation or a difficult conversation or there are lots of things going on, I react. And when I react in that kind of a situation, I'm usually defensive and all kinds of other emotions. Because as that person has been talking, my mind is going and I'm not listening really any longer to what they're saying in a way that would be helpful for me to respond. I'm ready to meet their points with my own points so that I can tell them in no uncertain terms that I know better than they know. That's reacting. When, as I'm working on, I take a moment and just pause truly listening to what they're saying, truly taking in all that's happening, and pause so that I can respond in a way that's helpful is so much better for both people and to move things forward. So I saw this picture also this week um, and thought, oh, that, I like how that might give us an image of this difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is that half of the brain on the left where A goes to B, goes to C, and K goes to L, goes to M, but F and X, like, do not, those paths don't cross. They're pieces of information that we can identify. The right part of this picture, for me, is kind of maybe what wisdom looks like. When we take all of those pieces of knowledge, when we take who we are, when we take all of life's experience and respond in a way that is more helpful, we sometimes take a little bit of knowledge and use it to appear as if we know this much, when really we know this much. We can take a little nugget of knowledge and make it seem like we are more competent than we actually are or that we're smarter than someone. When we act with wisdom, it pulls from the knowledge we have, the experiences that we've had, and it leads us to engage with others and the world in ways that demonstrate the foundation of our faith, our belief in God, and our care for the well-being of others. I'd like us to think about wisdom this way. There's something that we know, and we learn what to do with it, and then we put it into action, and we do it. 
We live multifaceted and complicated lives, and wisdom has a part to play in all kinds of uh, aspects of our life. We need wisdom for ourselves when we're making decisions, when we're looking for direction. We need wisdom for family. Do we marry? Do we not? Who do we marry? Do we have kids? Where do we live? What will our job be? We need wisdom in our faith to live in ways that create space for God to be at work in and through us. We need wisdom in our community and finding ways um, that work for peace and for harmony and for justice. We need wisdom in the church for vision, for leadership, for how we serve, for how we are faithful, for how we live as Christ's body in the world. So if you're here in the room or if you're at home and have something to write on, I want you to take out your Jenga piece. And on one of the sides, I want you to just write wisdom. And on one of the other sides, and this, for some of you, you may need a little bit of time to think about it. So if you can't do it right now, I encourage you to do it later today. On one of the other sides, write the name of someone who has been a wise person for you. The name that I have written on mine is Philip. Philip was my first piano teacher when I was a little girl, but he taught me more than how to play the piano, how to be a good musician. He taught me through conversations and by example how to expand how I saw the world. He taught me that God puts all kind of people and situation in our lives and that I can be careful and caring in how I interact. I want you to think this week, this afternoon and through this week, not only about that person, but what wisdom did that person model for you? So let's hear what James has to say. Let's hear this morning's scripture. It's several verses from chapter 3 and a few from chapter 4. Are any of you wise or sensible? Then show it by living right and by being humble and wise in everything you do. But if your heart is full of bitter jealousy and selfishness, don't brag or lie to cover up the truth. That kind of wisdom doesn't come from above. It is earthly and selfish and comes from the devil himself. Whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. But the wisdom that comes from above leads us to be pure friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. When peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they will harvest justice. Why do you fight and argue with each other? Isn't it because you are full of selfish desires that fight to control your body? You want something you don't have, and you will do anything to get it. You will even kill But you still cannot get what you want, and you won't get it by fighting and arguing. You should pray for it. Yet even when you do pray, your prayers are not answered because you pray for selfish reasons. Surrender to God. Resist the devil, and he will run from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think James is pretty clear here that what comes out of us, 
what we say, what we do, how we act with other people, the choices that we make are all reflections of what's happening inside of us. He says, if you are sensible and have wisdom, then use them. Live right and be humble and be wise. If you spend your time worrying about what other people will think of you and wanting them to feel like you are better than you are, then it's jealousy and selfishness that motivates you. Many commentators believe that James was talking to leaders in his church, basically saying, if you love God and are living as Jesus taught, then you need to live like you love God and you're following Jesus. There were those whose talk made them seem like good and faithful people, when what truly was motivating them was an attempt to seem like they were living as they should. There's a phrase that I think sometimes is overused, but it seemed to fit for this. I think James is saying, don't talk the talk if you're not walking the walk. We are complex beings, and we have within us the ability to live in this double-minded, double-hearted place that James is describing. We round up our GPA a little bit, so it seems like we're smarter than we are. We round up our bank account or our stock portfolio to make it appear like we are more wealthy than we are. We resent those whose life, whose marriage, whose kids, whose success seems to be bigger and better than ours, so that it seems like we have ourselves more together. James in this passage talks about two kinds of wisdom, earthly wisdom from below and true wisdom or God's wisdom from above. Let's look back at verse 14. It says, but if your heart is full of bitter jealousy and selfishness, don't brag or lie to cover up the truth. That kind of wisdom doesn't come from above. It is earthly and selfish and comes from the devil himself. Whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. Earthly wisdom, this wisdom from below, is, happens when we listen to what the world or society or our egos or other people are saying more than we listen for God's voice. We become jealous and selfish and a troublemaker. We become concerned about ourselves and what others think of us. We can, are concerned about our success. We rely on ourselves instead of God. We have to have it all and know it all and do it all. And that leads us to become angry and bitter and jealous and desire to do whatever it takes to get ahead, to be right, to be more important, to be more needed. It's easy, I think, for us to think that other people succumb to this earthly wisdom. But the truth is that we all find ourselves in that mix from time to time. We like to be able to say that we did things on our own. We like to talk about our success. We get concerned about what other people think about us. And it is so easy to get caught up in that trap because society, that earthly wisdom, tells us that all of the things are on that list are okay because it's what it takes to get ahead. Now, it is okay for us to be proud of ourselves. And I don't know many people who truly don't ever care how other people perceive them. 
But if we get stuck living in that wisdom from the world, it can become very difficult to step out of it. We get jealous, we become resentful, we find ourselves doing things to get ahead without much concern for anyone but ourselves. And sometimes, intentionally or not, we hurt others. Let's contrast that with how James describes the wisdom that comes from God. In verse 17, it says, But the wisdom that comes from above leads us to be pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. When peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they will harvest justice. Do you hear the difference in the focus that earthly wisdom is an inward, selfish focus. That wisdom from above, that true wisdom, has a focus outward toward others. James tells us what true wisdom, God's wisdom, does. It helps us to live right and to be humble. It helps us to show concern for others and the community. It helps us to be pure and friendly and gentle and sensible and kind and helpful and genuine and sincere. And when we act out of God's wisdom and with the intent to create peace in the world, peace grows, justice grows. Now this wisdom, this uh, wisdom from above, we can't get on our own. It comes from God. We have to ask God for this wisdom. And when we do that, I believe that God gives it to us. God helps us know what to do and what to say. When we pause and pray, God answers. So where are your priorities? I think friendship with the world leads us to think, leads us to seek what we think is best for us, and we become prideful. Friendship with God leads us to seek what is best for others, and we become humble. And I think so often we live in the balance between pride and humility. Pride tells us to rely on ourselves and our imperfect wisdom. And as we saw in the drama and in that picture, that tower eventually will come down. We think and maybe we believe that we can pull this one Jenga piece and the tower is going to stay standing. But all it takes for it to fall is one wrong piece. Humility, on the other hand, asks us to rely on God's wisdom. And it helps us to pull the pieces that don't disrupt the integrity of what had been built. Proverbs 11.2, one of the wisdom um, books in the Bible says this, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Seeking wisdom from anywhere other than God leads us down a hard road, and it can lead us to do and say things that are damaging. We need to remember the context where James was teaching was in the context of a community of faith, of a new church, who was trying to navigate what it looked like to live as a follower of Jesus when that movement was still new. It was a new way of living and interacting. Following Jesus means that we are called 
to live in different ways, to have different values, to make choices that honor God's creation and presence in all people. Some in this church that James is talking to got it, but some didn't. And those who were selfish were causing strife and difficulty, not just for themselves, but for the entire community. That same thing happens today. When we don't live out of God's wisdom, we fall back into our old habits, our old patterns. We can get selfish. We can disregard what God is asking us to do. Let's look at a couple of these verses in the message version. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. It's up to us to take a step out of this wisdom that God gives us. There is a promise that even if you are stuck seeking earthly wisdom to define who you are and how you live, it doesn't always have to be like that. That second verse says, so let God work his will in you. God is always with us, ready to draw us close, to give us another chance, to forgive us, to help us live with true wisdom, and to rebuild that tower. There's a verse in Matthew that says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this isn't the idea of perfection, that we never do anything wrong, or we never mess up, or we never make a mistake. This is perfection that calls us to live more and more out of the love that God has for us. It's an invitation to live and love in the ways that Jesus modeled and taught It's about seeking to live with wholeness, mind, body, and spirit, to experience all that God has for us, and to live with integrity so that our faith will guide what we believe and how we live. Easier said than done, right? Maybe, if you're looking at the whole picture. But wisdom isn't gained that way. It's gained by asking God to give us wisdom. That's the starting place. And then... One faithful action, one faithful decision, one word spoken to more fully become who God created us to be. It is turning our attention away from ourselves and to God and what God is doing. A week or so ago, I did uh, one of those very scientific and official Facebook things where I just said, tell me the wisest decision that you have made. Um, And some of you, these are some of the answers. Going to seminary, that was not Reverend Nicole or me. It it was a wise choice, but that wasn't me. Going back to school, listening to God's nudge, joining my first Bible study, my career choice, becoming sober, dating after divorce, having a family, making a change in life and career, giving up a lucrative career to raise my kids, and following Jesus. Those aren't little things. Those are big choices and big changes and big decisions. But when we lean into the wisdom that God gives to us, the wisdom that God wants us to have, we have the courage and the faith and the strength to do those things. 
I want you to pull out your Jenga piece again. And I want you to think about where are you right now needing wisdom in your life? And I want you to pick another one of those sides and write it on there. And I want you to take this Jenga piece with you this week and put it somewhere that you will see it. And let it be a reminder for us that while we are imperfect people, God is perfect and is always ready and waiting to help us have wisdom to live a better life. That God is always ready to help us rebuild what we feel has fallen apart. So I leave us with this. We are called to live right, to live in ways so that our beliefs and our actions match up, to pray humbly, to pray in ways that demonstrate that we believe that God knows what is best for our lives and that God wants us to have it, and to seek God's wisdom, to live and pray and trust in ways that show that we are honestly seeking and looking to God and not to ourselves for wisdom and direction. Seeking wisdom, praying humbly, living right are ways to jumpstart our faith. As closing, I invite us to pray this prayer together. O wisdom on high, by you the meek are guided in judgment, and light rises up in darkness for the godly. Grant us, in all doubts and uncertainties, the grace to ask what you would have us do, that we may be saved from all false choices, and that in your light we may see light, and in your straight path may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Let me close us in prayer.